All right. Hello, everybody. It is Tasha K with Goddess Day, and I am bringing you another live podcast experience. And the reason that I love the live podcast is because I really want the opportunity to be here in the space with you and engage with you. So over the past month and a half now, we have been talking about self-care. We've been talking about wellness and we've been talking about health as it relates to your finances. And um, that is that has been the series that we're doing. And today we're talking about how to go from overworked to overflowing abundance. And I'm starting to think that abundance isn't just um, something that you, it's not just a practice. I actually think that it is a skill and thinking about it that way is like, it's like, it's some, there's a level of mastery that you want to get to. Um, not perfection, not like you're ever going to get to the top of the mountain, but you want to approach it like a skill that you're learning. And when you do that, I think it opens up so many more, um, spaces for you to go through and grow through as you're learning how to become more and more abundant. And I cannot wait to get into that more and more and more. Um, today, we have special guests with us, Destiny Winters. And um, yeah, we're going to be sharing how to go from overworked to overflowing abundance. So we still have a minute left before we get started. So I'm going to just um, give people an opportunity to find us. All right, it looks like everything is working. The time is 7 p.m. Time to start wrapping up your work day and plan for dinner. <laughs> Did you hear that? I did. It was perfect. <laughs> we need reminders <laughs> to turn our work day off. <laughs> I really do. I really do need the reminder. <laughs> I'm like, oh, okay, now I can start winding down. Yes. <laughs> I'm gonna look and make sure that it is working everywhere. All right, this point is what it is. You ready? Yes, I'm ready when you are. Okay, yes. The world will find us when it. When it finds us. <laughs> At one point or another. Yes. All right. Hello, beautiful people. It is me, Tasha K with Gotta Stay. And I am so excited to be going live with you again in 2023. Like, I think that this is the fourth time that we've had the live podcast experience. And I am so like, I love it because I really enjoy being live and having the opportunity to like, 
um, engage and talk with people. And today we have the privilege of having special guest Destiny Winters with us. And we're going to be talking about how to go from overworked to overflowing abundance. And I think that this is such an important conversation, especially for Black women, because I know how much we are of the mindset of like, we have to work twice as hard, right? We are right now overeducated. We are the, the fastest growing demographic in terms of um, getting degrees. And I think that we need to have a conversation on what it means to actually slow down. And this applies to everybody, especially in this society. What does it mean to just slow down and step <laughs> you, I lost you for a second. I was like, oh, oh, oh. What happened? <laughs> okay, you're back. So okay. we're going to be talking about what it means to um, slow down and figure out how to step and see your abundance that way. You know, like we are so wired to step into our abundance from a place of struggle. But what, it, what would it actually look like if we were to rewire what we thought was necessary? What if we didn't think that the struggle or the grind was necessary? What if we thought that rest, relaxation, and groundedness were necessary in order to achieve financial freedom? What would that make available to you? So welcome to everybody who is joining us on Instagram. Welcome to those who are joining us on Facebook. Hello to everybody who is over on LinkedIn. And whether you are watching, the, watching us live or watching the replay, I want you to be plugged in and engaged because just because you're not live with us, that does not mean you are free from vibing with us because you are absolutely not. So Destiny, thank you so much for being here. And to start it off, I would love to know, why do you think that this is an important conversation? Yes, well, I honestly just wanna start by saying that the idea and concept of slowing down is in and of itself a privilege. and I think it's still necessary to talk about in all spaces because your body needs moments of calm throughout the day in order to lower cortisol, to make better decisions, to make more aligned decisions. There are absolutely times that are necessary for, for grinding, for moving fast, for moving hard and you know, getting things done. Um, but if we aren't resting in between, then we, we won't be here to see our fruits of our labor, whether that's because we're literally burnt out and have developed some kind of chronic condition, a chronic illness, chronic pain, or we're just miserable, like we're just absolutely miserable and, and you know, we've built something, but we just can't enjoy it. So um, again, like with rest comes, I think, and this is why I'm, I'm happy to talk about it on your podcast, because your zone of genius is talking about creating wealth. And I do think that it's, it's ironic, but there's this balance. There's this kind of dance between making more money, which, which often create, um, it's necessary to kind of move fast, move hard and to move in these ways. Um, but then we have to slow down and, and you need a safety net in order to be able to do that. So I just want to start the conversation there. Mm, so many good things to discuss there, but before we do, I uh, um, I know that you guys are probably wondering who is Destiny. <laughs> so Destiny is a mental health therapist 
in private practice in Atlanta, Georgia with me. And she specializes in helping people with chronic physical health conditions find joy in their relationships, which is so awesome. Destiny believes that the keys to preventing burnout especially when dealing with health problems, is building and maintaining positive, healthy relationships with friends, partners, coworkers, and one's community. Destiny works from a mind-body perspective because trauma and difficult emotions are stored in the body. She helps clients connect to themselves so they can keep showing up for the ones they love. Destiny believes in the power of self-healing, understanding that healing is only possible when we build a loving, supportive community through gentle but assertive communication, boundaries, and flexibility. So, Destiny, um, thank you again for being with us. Everything, there's so much to unpack just within that right there in and of itself. And I want to start off with asking... Um, what are some of the ways that you think it's important for us to try to prevent burnout? Yes. So um, what, what comes to mind first is Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Have you seen this concept or talked about it at all on this podcast? No, not on the podcast. Okay. So Maslow's hierarchy of needs is basically this kind of, um, and there's like every theory, um, there's, lots of good that comes from it. And then there's also, you can pick out flaws and things that, that aren't exactly correct. But um, at the bottom of the pyramid of Maslow's hierarchy is your basic survival needs, food, warmth, shelter. Um, and then we move, we move up into belonging and self-actual, eventually gets a self-actualization. Um, when it comes to preventing burnout, we have to have those basic needs met because we can't, we can't really consider much else if we're hungry or if we are unclothed or unhoused. So um, we, ha we have to start there. And sometimes that's just kind of what I was talking about earlier. That might mean you're grinding. We live in a society where your ability to survive is often tied directly to how much you can output. Um, and that's not, there's a lot that can be that should be changed there, but that's where we're at right now. So we have to make sure we have our basic needs. Now, the problem is when we do have our basic needs met, we often stay stuck in that mindset because fight or flight um, and, and again, trauma stored in the body. And so if you are constantly on fight, in fight or flight to keep yourself safe, to keep yourself alive, even when you've reached that level of safety, your nervous system has now been wired to believe that at any point in time, like you need to make sure you can still remember these, these skills of survival and, you know, just don't forget it. You can't let it go. So um, when you're learning how to figure out what's happening in your body and really learn how to kind of move up Maslow's hierarchy, you know, again, so you've, you've made an income, you're technologically, you know, you're allowed to kind of move into these next phases of belonging and, and community and um, things that are for some people considered a luxury. Um, you have to be able to, you're always going to keep that survival somewhere inside of you. Like that's not going to go away. And so that's kind of step one is just knowing that that's not going to go away. Even if it feels your body starts to feel unsafe. You start to feel anxious. You, some people even start to feel more depressed once they're out of that survival mode for lots of different reasons. One, because now your body's actually, your mind is able to process it, right? So before you weren't able to process it, you were busy, too busy. 
Um, so again, in preventing burnout, we have to, it's a mix of making sure our survival needs are met and then also working a little bit on the mindset and, and creating safety in your body as well. Not just your thoughts, but we have to figure out how to create safety in our emotional, uh, in our emotional well-being, And we'll go over some, some ways to do that today. Mm, so that was a lot. <laughs> and I'm just sitting here really taking it all in. And, you know, taking it back to what it is to try to prevent burnout and looking at um, the hierarchy of needs, Maslow's hierarchy of needs, you know, yes, the theory might not be perfect. And what I really want to impress upon those who are listening is that every theory doesn't have to be perfect. You just take the meat and leave the bones, like take what's going to give you an informed understanding of what could possibly be uh, contributing to this experience that you're having. And if it works, it works. And if it doesn't, it doesn't. And But I, what I like about it is that sometimes we get so caught up in the entire world of what we want, right? Like we want our basic needs met, but we also want so much more that is beyond that. And what this is reminding me is that before we can start to focus on being a millionaire, which you see everywhere you look, you know, learn how to have six figure months, you know, learn how to become a millionaire in 30 days. And, uh, you know, before we even start thinking about those things, we really want to focus on having those basic things taken care of with some level of consistency and reliability. And while we're trying to pursue our ultimate goals without that foundation being met, we may actually be causing ourselves more stress, more anguish, and more illness. So it is awesome to have your dreams and to have your vision board and to have your goals. But looking at what is most important, we always want to start or I invite you to consider that you might want to start with the basic needs. It might not be sexy. It might not be the thing that everybody is talking about on Instagram or TikTok, but it is the thing that is going to allow you to have a foundation for healing in which abundance can come in. Yes. So yeah. that's the first thing from what you said. Go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Um, because I, I really think that all of this happens in community. And um, if you're just focused on this end goal, like your vision board goal, uh, one, I think you're still using your fight or flight res um, responses from being in survival mode. So you're only thinking about like, how do I just get to the next step, get to the next step? Again, if you're fighting for like, pay you're living paycheck to paycheck, you don't know like how much food you're gonna be able to bring onto the table this particular week, you really can't think about much else other than, okay, how do I make that happen? How do I make that happen? but everything else falls by the wayside. So again, when you get out of that and then you move into, okay, here's my vision board and you're only thinking about that one single thing up there at the top, you forget about your community, you forget about self-care, you forget about the, the basics that are important. And I think this is why a lot of people win the lottery and then they find themselves, you know, four years later in the exact same position. Um, so, Honestly, the, the key the key to preventing burnout is like get eight hours of sleep and eat three meals a day and drink your water, eat your fruits and vegetables. We don't want to hear that, Destiny. We really don't want I know to it. That. I know. <laughs> it's not sexy. It's Seriously? not. 
That is so simple, but it is so hard. And as somebody who I think I've been in fight or flight since I was five, truly, consistently, you know, chronically, um, and in this spirit of I need to achieve, I need to achieve something, I want to be successful, I want to accomplish, and having that be ongoing. But as I got older, becoming more and more present to the survival mechanism that is constantly running me. It's almost like I have no control and the survival mechanism is like, it's not me just saying, oh, I want to be successful from a place of, you know, maybe curiosity or a place of excitement. It's literally just, I want to survive. And to me, survival looks like continuously being on the wheel of achievement. And so I want to know, this might sound like a weird question, but how do we reposition things that like might seem basic, like community, getting eight hours of sleep, making sure that you eat, when you have this carrot that's dangling in front of you and it seems like the most important thing for your happiness and the reason and i know that i have sacrificed each one of those things at some point in my life i have sacrificed eating i have sacrificed my community i can't even tell you how many relationships have failed by the wayside because i was so focused on working you know i've i continue to sacrifice eight hours of sleep um, and deep down, there's a place where we know better, right? We get older and our body starts to tell us whether we know better or not. Our body begins to tell us like, ma'am, but we still want to do it because it feels like we need to do it. What would you say to that? Yeah. So when you start to try to make changes like this, um, and go back to the basics and let go of some of that energy that has been driving you your whole life. A lot of things happen. Fear pops up, anxiety pops up, depression can pop up, lots anger can pop up, um, lots of things that have been historically just repressed for not not only for it's mostly for Black women, but not, but for all of us as well. I want to tell you a story of um, where this kind of came from in the industrialized kind of um, from a perspective of the industrial revolution. So pre-industrial revolution, um, it was actually commonplace to be able to cry in public. Men, women, it was commonplace. What? <laughs> and so, yes. And so um, it was after kind of like when factories and, and you know, these machines, it, we were supposed to work as efficiently as machines. Uh, and when people would cry in the work setting, which was totally normal and commonplace, uh, people would rally around the person crying as any reasonable person should do to come and comfort the crier. Well, that wasn't good for productivity. And so t after t time, after time, after time, you know, CEOs of, of these companies were telling the managers, you can't let this happen. You can't let this happen. And so managers come down on the employees and now no one's crying in the workplace anymore. No one's showing emotion anymore. No one's being able to express just normal human day-to-day -day things. And what we know about emotion is that when you actually feel it and allow it to move through you, it rises, it gets, it's hard, but there are ways to mitigate that, such as community and support, but it rises and then it falls. But what we do is we feel it and we start to repress it before it reaches its peak point. So most of us don't even know what it feels like to have our highest amount of emotion because that's too scary. We're not allowed to do that. So we stop ourselves before we get to that top point here and we push it down. And that means we don't know how to connect with others. We don't know that 
it's safe to even feel that peak emotion. Um, but again, if you feel it and you, so in, th in therapy, we practice, you know, these skills that help you kind of feel that without, without derailing and, and really having a lot of really negative uh, behavioral consequences. But so we want to feel that emotion and then watch it fall on its own. And when I say on its own, that means you have supported yourself enough, whether something you've done for yourself or um, the community that you have around you has rallied and helped to support you through that. And now the emotion will go away on its own. You do not have to do anything other than it accept what's happening in your body for that emotion to rise and fall. But we spend a lot of time trying to suppress those emotions because they, we, we're just not, we don't, we're not told it's okay to feel them. We're told it's the opposite. It's not okay to feel them in school systems in relationships. Uh, you know, it's always don't cry. You're okay. Don't cry. You're okay. Like, so, um, last week, I, um, I had a guest, Ariana, on, and we talked about how my mom told me that crying was a sign of weakness one day when I was like really in a, a sad space and I was crying and um, it felt natural for me to cry in that moment. And what also felt natural to me was just for my mom to comfort me, you know, yeah. no big deal. Like I'm sad. I cried. Comfort me and we'll move on. Yes, that's how it occurred to me. Like nothing was wrong with crying until she came and she said crying is a sign of weakness. And I was like, whoa, yeah. I am not weak. I am not weak. My mom did not raise me to be weak. And it really shifted how I experienced my emotions um, until I was able to turn that switch back on. Like when I around my 30s. So when you talk about the Industrial Revolution, I love a good story, first of all. And to hear the historical precedence that we have for the freedom of truly experiencing our emotions in public, no less, that is mind blowing to me. Yeah. These days, I am a feeler. And sometimes when I'm upset, I will cry in public. And I feel so bad for the people around me <laughs> because they don't know what to do. And it's like, I don't need them to do anything, but I know that it makes them uncomfortable, but I don't want to have to suppress that I feel sad and I'm crying. And that's the problem. Like they don't know what to do because they're not, we don't allow this experience to happen. Before people did know what to do. They rally around you. You feel what you're feeling. And then we all move on about our day. Like, and this, yeah, that's it. They rises and it falls. That's it. And this is why I have you know, in my own vocabulary, I haven't heard anybody else say this, but in my own vocabulary, you know, I reference these things as a skill, feeling as a skill, because I realized that, you know, we take it for granted that we just, we should just know how to feel. Yeah. Yes. We That's why I have a feeling wheel here because we don't, we don't know how to feel. Okay. We have to have it on paper or on a pillow um, to show us words to help us. Like this is a real tool. I have a lot of my clients just screenshot this from Google and keep it on their phone as their background. Your boo can go away for now. It's got to be the feeling wheel. <laughs> That's good. That's what's going to keep your relationship alive. Not the picture on your screen. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and just like, you know, imagine having a disagreement with your partner and 
you feel some sensations in your body and you have some thoughts in your mind and there's a feeling associated with it, but you don't quite know what it is. Mm -hmm. I remember when I first started dating and I didn't really know what that feeling was and somebody had told me that they missed me and you know, I had turned my emotions off and I was like, whoa, like there's a lot of things that are happening right now. We need to cut this out. Yes. <laughs> so ridiculous. <laughs> Yes. Yeah, it's true. And so when you were asking about, um, I don't remember your exact question, but I was talking about how when you start to feel this, a lot of things happen. Fear, anger. And because we just simply aren't, we call it the window of tolerance in therapy. So below your window of tolerance is depression. Above your window of tolerance is things like anxiety, rage, things like that. And your window of tolerance is in the middle. And it's where you can feel just enough of the emotions that you can still respond how you want to respond, kind of respond appropriately and, and calmly or cool-headedly. But I'm, I am cautious to say that because sometimes rage and anger and um, large reactions are absolutely necessary. So, um, but the problem is when we repress everything, we start to have these big reactions to everything. And we don't know what to do with it. Whereas when you actually allow all of your emotions, you know how to respond appropriately. Is this a level one thing? I should have like a little bit of anger towards this or should I be protesting, rallying right now? Because this is an, an injustice that needs to be, anger is justified here. Um, something else you said in that same vein is like, when you start to let go, you know, you were talking about um, you're letting go your emotions and things like that, I think, and correct me if I'm wrong. Um, it was something. Oh, no, you were saying that when you can actually get in a place where you can feel your emotions and you're not repressing them anymore, you know, now you can actually now you might actually get depressed, mm -hmm. you know, before when you were in the midst of everything and you were in your fight or flight, you were just go, 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 go. And for a lot of us, that has become our identity. And we associate that with something positive, that that means that we are successful. That means that we are a go-getter. That means that we're a hustler and we feel that go, go, go. And we're like, yes, I'm on top of my shit. But when we but but actually what that's doing is producing high levels of cortisol cortisol is flooding our entire bodies including our nervous system and it's leaving leading to stress and we all know that stress leads to illness right so uh maybe go 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 not so good but then when we start to move out of that i see this so often that people who are now starting to rest they feel guilty there's so much guilt. And then they can also move into depression because now they feel like they're not good enough, that the grind that they used to identify them is no longer there. So now they question who they really are and if they're truly worthy of the success that they want. And I would love to hear what you have to say about that. Yeah, well, it's it goes hand in hand with my work with people who have chronic illnesses because as soon as a chronic illness hits and you physically cannot go, go, go anymore, um, all of those same feelings and emotions come up. Who am I? Am I worthy? Uh, plus, we have a very ableist culture where, you know, if you're not, again, if you're not producing, you're not worthy. So um, it's, 
it's something we work on. It's, it's grief work. It's, you know, if, if this, if you can't find a therapist who specializes in exactly what it is, kind of the exact issue you're looking for, find a grief therapist, someone who specializes in grief, because that's what grief is all about. Just feeling the things that are coming up because of a loss. So in your example of being just go, 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 and now I'm going to try to kind of slow down, all these feelings are going to pop up. And yet you, one of the feelings that's going to pop up is like, am I worthy? Because you've built your identity on being the person who can take care of it all, who can never stop running. Um, but that is a strong recipe for burnout. And it's the model created by like old white men. <laughs> that's what our country was built on was pull yourself up by your bootstraps. So I just for some perspective there, like, when you're living in that, whose identity are you really taking on? Whoa. <laughs> oh my God. That is, I love it when I have these moments because I could see that just in a moment, something in me just forever changed, you know, because it's very easy for me to pick up the mantle of, um, grind culture and hustle culture. And I can pick up that mantle as a part of my uh, achieving identity as something that is necessary for me to like lift myself up and, you know, provide for my family and, you know, move my community, advance my community to new levels and new heights and all those things. But you bring up a really good question is, which is whose identity am I really operating in? when I view success and achievement through that lens? And am I really gonna be able to achieve whatever it is I'm looking for in a system that was never really meant for my achievement, it was just meant for my work and my productivity. And I keep thinking that, okay, eventually productivity and work is gonna mean abundance. But that's not actually how it is and it's intended that way. So when you when you put it like that, one of the things that I wrote down is that burnout is not an accident, right? It's actually just simply a byproduct from the way things are. It is a natural byproduct of the society that we live in. It's not some, when you feel the sense of burnout and all of the things that come with that, it is not that something is wrong with you. It is actually that something is very, very right with you and everything in your being understands that the way that you are operating is not okay. And it was never intended for you to operate like that. So a lot of times I think when we're experiencing these slowdown moments, we're like, oh my gosh, like something is wrong with me. It's like, no, your body is operating just as it should and just as you would expect it to in these types of crazy conditions. That's exactly right. <laughs> you got it. It's, um, you know, the, the definition of abundance is to have more than you need. So I think even within that definition, what, what do we do with that? If I have more than I need, what does that mean for me? If I have more food than I need, well, I'm safe. But what does that, what does the excess mean? What do I do with that? Do I give it away? Do I freeze it and store it for another, another time? If I have more money than I need, what do I do with that? If I give it away, am I... Think, do I think of that as giving a handout and know someone else needs to work just as hard as me to get their money because this is how I got it? Or so just yeah, you know, as I was kind of prepping for this show, I, I really 
let me look at the actual definition definition of abundance. It's to have more than you need. So what are we really working for? I are saw we working that. For? Yeah. I yeah. saw that in your notes. Um, and, and you put the definition of abundance in there. And I was like, mm, okay, I see you challenging the whole entire premise of our conversation today. And I absolutely love that. Um, because sometimes we just get caught up in being a cog in, in the society. You know, it's like there's a part, there's a part where we are trying to figure out how to just live our lives inside of the society, you know, and not always figuring out how to, how do we dismantle something, you know, but at the same time, we know that that doesn't work. And so we're also thinking about, um, how do we create something new? And so we have this, uh, double consciousness where both of these two things are living side by side. And um, one of the things I always say is that we don't want to be like the old white men who created the system, right? We might be playing this game, but hopefully the intention is to eventually be able to change the rules of the game. And so I really like where you're going because we should start asking the question, what is, what is abundance? And maybe it's the case that as we are chasing abundance, that's just nothing more than a spirit of scarcity. You know, it's the spirit of scarcity where it's like, I need more than enough. I need more than enough. Right. If I don't have more than enough, something's going to be wrong. Eventually I'm going to starve. Eventually I'm not going to have enough. And then that person is going to do something to me. So um, thank you for that additional layer to be able to look at this. Yeah, I mean, it, I don't know much about, I mean, I think about the roots of the United States of America, right? We come over here from England, and I don't know much about the way things were in England then, but if you came here with nothing, and you are also on someone else's land, and you're fighting them now for what, you're constantly living in a state of, I, even though it's this expansive expansive land and there is more than enough for absolutely everybody because there's so much fighting and and everything that was happening you're constantly scared you're never gonna have enough so you start to you know think about like doomsday preppers and people who have a, a ton of food like in their houses at all time like don't get me wrong please like keep your family safe like times of famine do come right but again like how far do we take that? And, and when do you start to give from that, from what you've been taking? Yeah. So my next question for you, given the disruption that you brought to this conversation, is what do you think is a healthy idea of productivity or a healthy idea of wealth and legacy? So, I actually want to pause and, and kind of answer that question. And maybe we can, can I invite you to do a bit of a somatic body-based exercise? Of course. Of course. Um, if this brings up any emotion for anybody that's listening, um, we're not scared of emotion. However, we also want to make sure that you are safe and that you have support to kind of go through these emotions. So feel free to pause or, or distract or do what you need to do to just feel safe right now, because I don't, I don't know anyone listening. And so I don't know your particular circumstances. Um, so I want you to, if you're willing to close your eyes and just kind of start to see where your attention is drawn to in your body. It can be in your, sometimes it's your thoughts or your eyes, your head, 
maybe there's some sensations in your body. You want me to share? I would say let's just uh, feel it. Yeah. Because sometimes when we start to talk, it will detract from the actual feeling. So this will be kind of slow and that might be uncomfortable in and of itself, but stick with me. Um, so just feel what's happening and just no we're just noticing. We're not trying to change anything. We're just kind of noticing what's there. You might notice some warmth, some kind of temperature, some tightness or some expansion in certain areas. As your eyes are closed, if you're a visual person, you might have images popping up or colors. Just notice. And I want to invite you to start to think about someone in your life who has been a mentor or someone who's very warm and comforting. They might not even be in your life anymore, but think back to a moment where they really helped you get through. Think about their hair color and style of their clothes, the color of their eyes, how big their smile is. And as this is happening, you might notice some things popping up for you, physically, emotionally. Some examples of some physical sensations would be tingling or fuzzy, tight, constricted. All feelings are normal, natural, and neutral. Just imagine this person who really provided something of value to you in a really connected way. Again, a mentor, a teacher, a parent, an aunt. And I want you to even imagine now yourself in this room with them. What's happening? Are they hugging you? Are you sitting down at a coffee shop or in their living room? And if you allow yourself to think about people and community, who would you want to invite to this conversation? Imagine their faces and just kind of imagine them having conversations with one another. And maybe you even overhear someone say something that they're proud of you for. Something that they've they've noticed, but haven't you really haven't paid attention before, that they were noticing this thing about you. Kind of take a look around and your community is here with you and you just have this desire to give what is it that you give to them food or love or time or money item. Pay attention to what's happening in your body sensation-wise. 
when you're ready, you kind of slowly come out of this exercise. I want you to just slowly look around your room. Notice your surroundings. Know where you are. Know that you're safe. Just kind of feel what's happening. And if you want to share, Tasha, you're more than welcome to, but you also don't have to. Share what? Anything that come, that feels relevant. It could either be, what did you decide to give to these people? Or maybe a feeling that you had that you didn't expect. Mm -hmm. So um, instantly I noticed that where my attention was drawn was to my chest and that I could feel some tightness there. Um, I also noticed that temperature, which I normally experience outside of my body, was starting to feel more internal inside of my body. Um, uh, I had some thoughts about, you know, how I position myself inside a community. And then when I was thinking about what, what would I want to give people, the question kind of like, I was like, hmm, interesting. What would I want to give people? Um, and I like to give people things that make them feel safe and loved and comforted. I like to create environments that are very warm and welcoming. So that means that I like to provide home and homes that have like, you know, candles or um, throws or comfortable spaces and um, homemade food and um, community and laughter, um, things that make people feel good on the inside um, and have a sense of safety. So when we think about the hierarchy of needs, you know, I always just start there without even necessarily knowing it, you know, it's like, but those are the things like knowing that my people feel safe. They feel like they have a place that they can go. They know that they have food that they can eat. They know that they have people who care about them. Even though it's like on the bottom of the needs, it's like, what more? You know, it's like everything else is icing on the cake, but that in and of itself is so much to me. You already have abundance without any money to talk about. I mean, yes, you need money to provide some of these things, but um, being together, eating a meal together in a warm home, candles lit. It doesn't matter if the candle was $5 or a $50 candle. The feeling is the same. That feeling that we have when we're practicing some of these visualizations or um, somatic awareness, somatic just means body. Um, these feelings that we have, when we practice this, consistently, we start to recognize, okay, this is what fear feels like in my body. Because the body, the mind is really, really good at just avoiding, again, if you're in that flight, fight or flight mode, all it's thinking about is how do I get to safety? How do I get to the next thing? We want to really imprint what it feels like, joy, comfort, these positive emotions, as well as fear and anger and frustration because we want to be aware of when they pop up in our body even if our mind is saying don't pay attention don't pay attention okay i want you to expound on that because like there's some statistic that we think like some insane amount of negative thoughts every single day right where our our brain is very used to 
taking our eyeballs and our ears and all of our senses and then focusing them on things that are negative. And you said that it's important to be able to imprint things like joy, peace, happiness. Um, first of all, what does that mean when you say imprint them? And then secondly, what does that look like as a practice and what is the benefit of that? Yeah, so imprint is basically just feeling that feeling and remembering it. Because mm -hmm. we so all maybe like meditating on it or yeah, um, sitting with it longer. So like for example, I yeah, like and even that can be vague. But um, if I am doing this meditation or this visualization and I have this feeling of warmth in my chest, and I'm used to having tightness in my chest, but let's say I have a moment of warmth, it is so easy to just gloss right over that. And so as soon as I notice myself glossing over something, I want to say, wait, what was that feeling? It was warmth. Let me bring myself back there. What does that feel like? Can I bring it up again? Now I'm sitting with it longer. And the longer I sit with something, the more memory I can have with it. If I sit here and I, if I just see your picture on a screen, I probably won't even recognize you if I see you out in public. But talking to you for an hour, looking at your face, getting to know what your face looks like, I'm going to recognize you if I see you out in public. Same thing with the feelings in your body. So that warmth feeling, that's a positive feeling. We Again, we just tend to like, and we do this with both positive and negative feelings, but we just skip right over it and just on to the next, on to the next, on to the next. So then when joy pops up in our life, we don't know how to recognize it. Uh -oh, did I lose Go ahead, I'm listening. Okay. Are we back? Okay. That's my sister calling me twice, like, <laughs> oh no, <laughs> answer my call. <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, you must have do not disturb on, and she got through it. <laughs> <laughs> the second time. Uh, um, but yeah, so we want to imprint is basically just it's remembering. But in order to remember, we have to sit with it longer. So if you, it is normal and natural to like, quickly move past it. So don't chastise yourself if you catch yourself doing that. Instead say, oh, there's that thing happening again. I'm moving past it. So um, I want to just point out some moments where people might want to do that. So I know that brain fog is something that people experience a lot, especially today, especially post COVID. So when you have those moments of clarity, you know, like you have a moment of like very intense clarity. Don't let it just gl don't gloss over it. Really feel it. Take it in. Pay attention. Like, OK, what's what's happening now and what does that feel like? Um, another one I'm imagining, like if you're a mom and you have a lot of stuff going on, all the kids are, you know, doing whatever they're doing. And then you just have a moment of peace or you have a moment of happiness or you feel the sense of fulfillment even in the midst of the chaos, juice that moment, you know, like milk it That's and right. enjoy it and learn from it maybe. Absolutely. Yes. I have a one-year-old and it's been quite a year of postpartum. And uh, my husband, right before we got, we went live, my husband sent me a, um, vid a voice recording of her like laughing because she was hiccuping. <laughs> <laughs> Just hiccuping and laughing, hiccuping and laughing. And, you know, it would be so easy to be like, 
I'm like, I'm about to start this live. I'm thinking about this. Like, don't. And that, that is, that is how I lived my life, like post motherhood. And for me, um, everybody has their different reasonings and their different trajectory in life. But I always knew that like my mental health journey, the reason why I wanted to be mentally well was for my future children. And so then as a mom, you become a mom and, and you work so hard to get to this like mentally well place. But again, these feelings of like good, bad, all these, all feelings, all human feelings are natural, normal, and they have a place. And so, yeah, I love the hell out of my kid, but I have been frustrated. I have been angry. I have been sad. I have been, um, I've had grief over the freedom that I lost. All of these things are normal. And the more that I feel them, they rise and they fall. And then I'm not lashing out at her because I have felt them and I have taken care of them. So I know you talked in your one of your older, other podcasts about like generational trauma and breaking the cycles, and this is a part of it. How do we feel our feelings wholly so that we don't unintentionally take it out on the people that we love? So that's part of the impact. So when yes. we are, you know, sitting with these new emotions or not new, just emotions that we want to be more present to that we may not always be present to. Oh, when we're sitting with those was there for me as like, you know, we, whatever, what you focus your attention on expands and grows, right? Was there for me is that neurons that fire together, honey, they, why, that, what, you know, Yes. What her neurons that <laughs> fire together, together. why together. And so what we're doing as we're imprinting is, you know, creating happier, healthier, more productive neural networks too. Yes. You know, like, okay, um, now I have more opportunity to experience joy. I have a expanded capacity to notice when I'm peaceful. And those things actually have a qualitative difference or a qualitative impact on our experience of life. I'm thinking about as, you know, we're talking about from overwork to overflowing abundance. And even as we reposition how we feel about that and what we think about that, I'm thinking about, you know, just, so now you get to sit and experience, okay, when you have a moment of peace or you have a moment of rest and you feel good about it, imprinting that. Yeah. Right. So, so that some of those feelings of like grinding, hustling, and glorifying that so some of those things can start to dissipate. Yeah. The two hard work. I can't remember if you said this before we went live, but you talked about mastery and excellence and then perfectionism. And yeah, those are all very like jumbled together, but there is a clear difference. We can master something. Mastery is not about racing to the finish line. Mastery is just about doing one step better tomorrow than you did yesterday. One step, not 10 steps and reaching some arbitrary goal. And the more you do that slowly over time, you become a master, whether that's a master of your emotions, a master of your job, a master of your family, master of 
whatever it is you desire to have abundance in. And you can still have abundance, but again, what are you going to do with the excess? And I think when you start to think about it in that way, you start to look at who, who do I impact? Who, who impacts me, but who do I impact? And that's a really important question. Yeah, and um, as I think about what does it look like to move from overworked, you know, when I think about overflowing, it's not the excess that immediately stands out to me. You know, it is the, the fullness, you know, like the fullness, the fulfillment. And when I think about all the places that our conversation has gone today, and I'm talking slow because I'm just really processing it in the moment. <laughs> but when I think about that, it's like, the first thing that we wanna do is just let go of the mantle of having to overproduce, having to overwork. And not as something that we just say, because, yeah, we're talking about self-care and, you know, all these self-things, self-love. But when you look at it, you know, it's like going to get a pedicure, <laughs> going to get your nails done, going on a shopping spree. And it's like, okay, we're getting somewhere. But what about what's happening inside of our bodies and, like, taking care of that? So what pathway do you see destiny for going from overworked to overflowing abundance? With the caveat that we're talking to people who their basic needs are met. Um, or what if so they're not? It's a different, I think it's a different conversation. You know, I think you have to be, I think we have to be really careful in our conversations Um because, you know, we talk a lot about like in marketing, like niche uh, populations, right? Who's your niche and, and you know, who's your target audience and, and your, mar your market, target market. Um, I think the reason we do that is because my message might resonate solely with somebody who is in the spaces that my advice has something to really, really give an offer. You cannot mm -hmm. be everyone to everything to everyone in any capacity. So we want to bring accessibility into all of these conversations. But I also think that when we're talking about it, we have to choose. We can talk about both and we can talk about the Venn diagram of it, like what applies to everyone, but then what also is different. Um, I just think that's important. So I'm thinking about it. And, you know, this is definitely not something that's lost on me because I'm very clear that there are going to be people who show up whose basic needs are not met. And most people may not even know, you know, the people around. I'm very clear that there are people who we think their basic needs are met and they are not. Yeah. I'm very clear that even though those needs are not met, those people are still hustling and grinding, trying to achieve something. And this conversation is going to be for them as much as it is for anybody else. I think and if so I I want to so so real quick so like 
their journey might not look the same. But I, and I don't even know, we might not have anything to say to them. But if that's the case, I want to say that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, exactly. That, I think we're saying exactly the same thing. I want to make sure it's, it's like clear. Um, and so what I'm about to say, I hope it does resonate for everyone. Um, but I don't ever want to say something that comes across as insensitive or um, just, and, and sometimes I will, I will say something that comes across that way and then we'll, we'll fight that bottle when it gets, we get there. <laughs> but anyway, my, I think my, my biggest piece of advice to all of my clients anyway is to, um, we, we do a lot of values exploration, like what is actually important to you. So that question can be asked to anyone. And when you're fighting for what's important to you, I think that's how you get a lot of the rags to riches stories. I think like rags to riches is a very overused trope in our society. But when you focus on what you value and what is important to you, and you're constantly reflecting on that, everything else starts to fall into place. Because if your family is the most important thing to you and you are work, working 80 hour wait weeks, living paycheck to paycheck, you know, doing everything you can to just keep the heat on and food on the table. Still, you're doing this for your, if, if your value is family, you're going to rest easier at night than if you're just doing this for some, you don't even know why. You don't know why you're doing this. Mm-hmm. Okay. I like it. I love it. Um, one of the things that I was thinking about after my conversation with Ariane last week was the story that we tell ourselves about emotional wellness um, and how that plays such a huge part in cultivating our sense of wellness, you know? So it's like, there's absolutely a reality that we are experiencing, but then there's also the story that we tell ourselves about it. And then the impact that that has on our body and our mind and vice versa the way that th those two things work together. And I would say if you're, if you're talking about stories and narratives and, and distorted beliefs and all of these things, rather than focusing immediately on how do I change the story, observe where it came from. Focus on where it came from and how it has affected you before you start to dig into changing it. We have to learn how to like sit still and observe more. I think we goes with the whole grind mentality but we just want to do 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 and we just have to learn to kind of einstein said if i had an hour to solve every problem i would spend 55 minutes of it looking at the problem and five minutes thinking about solution so. and i'm even talking about you know stories that not even just the, the negative stories that drive us because i think that's what you were focusing on about you know yeah. changing them yeah but also the stories about our family that help us survive whatever yeah. it is that we're about yeah. to go through and I have this idea of like the lies I told myself in order to be successful and I remember one of them there were like these stories that I would tell myself to create a more optimal environment for my mental state which was like I didn't want <laughs> To, uh, there were certain things that I would convince myself that I didn't want, you know, and that was just a part of the protection for me in that moment because 
there were other things that I wanted to be able to accomplish. I remember I convinced myself that I wanted a tiny house, you know, like I would want this like, oh yeah, I can have this tiny house. It's like, no, I don't. I was just poor. I don't want a tiny house. I want a house house. But in my mind, I was like, oh, you can have such a nice tiny house because I was a master at making what was available to me the most luxurious thing. Or if I didn't have enough food, I was fasting. Yeah. You, what do you think about those stories now? Like how, what, how do you conceptualize our conversation, the stories you're bringing up? What do you think about all of that? <laughs> well, I call them lies for a reason. <laughs> but, you know, when I, there is the theory of what it looks like to go from overworked to overflowing. But then I think about my actual lived experience and what it took. And you said that, you know, being able to talk about abundance is a privilege. Mm. And I think absolutely being able to talk about it is a privilege, but especially being able to talk about it in certain ways, right? Like um, the way that I can talk about it now is not the same way that I could talk about it then. Before, I might have to talk about what it looks like to go without two meals a day. That doesn't really sound like a, a feasible option for a lot of people. You know, it's not anything that we want to talk about, but it is reality for a lot of people who are coming from nothing literally, and they want to have something someday. But we don't like to talk about the ugly, ugly underbelly of being impoverished and then trying to pull yourself up from your bootstraps and what it looks like to um, how demoralizing it is. It's, 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 yeah. And so that's why I went to the story, because sometimes you just have to give yourself a different story. You know, we only touched the tip of the iceberg today. Yeah. <laughs> and I think we did a so. good job. I, I know. Think so. I think we did good. I think we did good. Yeah. But you kept me on. But I'm glad that. Oh, and you kept it honest. Thank you so much, yeah. Destiny. Like, there are so many parts of our conversation today that will change how I think about things forever. And there were certain struggles that I've continued to go back to that I think I might just put down today. Oh, oh. I, think I, I love might, that. I just put them down today. And I just want it's, to hand it over clear, to you. It is clear you've been doing a lot of work. Like the way that you talk. Also, I, I watched your um, like free video on your website. Did you come up with those four categories or are those from something? Yeah, um, I came up with them. They're, they're brilliant. <laughs> They're brilliant. Let me tell you, my husband, he's like total like economy guy. He knows all, I, look, sorry, finance, not my thing. His, yes. Um, um, and I, I have, yeah, we, we look at finances completely different. And he saw him, so he's fierce like you. Said, right? And so it, it was just, he was like also blown away by your four categories. And like, wow, that's spot on like we could think about all the people in our lives like what I am what he is people in our lives so I just want to say like it's a masterpiece what you have done and what you oh did. my and gosh I'm like Jesus very, so hard very <laughs> impressed so I had to tell you that thank you so much so I'm cheesing because my friend is like you need to get the budget style quiz out there. I want to be like on Oprah telling people that they don't have to fit in any you know budget boxes 
they can really unlock who they are as a budgeter and embrace that. And I really have people in my mind for each category in my life, and I styled it after them. So <laughs> thank you. Well, you need you need to go on Oprah and share all of this. So <laughs> thank you, thank you You're so awesome. much. What are your final words to the people today, Destiny? Don't be scared of your emotions. Actually, no, that's not my advice. My advice is to be scared and to do it anyway. Ooh, okay. It's going to be scary it's going to be hard but just rally the people around you who are safe and lean into them and feel what you have to feel to move on to the next level because that's how we're going to get there without burning out mm, that's so wonderful that's how we're going to get there without burn without burning out we're going to have a round table at the end of march where i bring back everybody who had these conversations about self-care and wellness and health and how it relates to um, our wealth and our well-being. So um, I hope that you are available so you guys can tune in and watch Destiny and get so much great information, okay? I'm looking forward so to it. So thank you guys so Bye. much. Have a wonderful rest of your evening, and hopefully I'll see you soon. Bye-bye.